This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris. Well, howdy, all you gentle listeners out there. This is Jesse. I like it. Gentle listeners. Yeah. Man, that, you are a classy fellow, man. I'm telling <laughs> that's, you. that's what I was going for. Yeah. He just oozes class. He does. <laughs> ah, so, hello, gentlemen. You guys what, doing all right? What is going on today? Just, just living. I love and, it. Yeah, and you know what you make when you live. Uh, I know what you absorb when you live. Oh, ooh, is that a good segue? Ooh. That was a wow, good. Wow, you're really just jumping into it today, huh? <laughs> just, just yeah, beating around the bush. You're going right into it. Sorry. No. I mean, uh, we, we can. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to talk about carbon-14 dating. So what is carbon-14? How do we use it to date stuff? And as, oh, I, alluded, as I alluded to, um, you know, all living things absorb it, whether you like it or not. I didn't. I'm not going to lie. I thought we were just talking about carbon-14 in general. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize we were going to focus on dating. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm into it. We're, we're gonna, mean, you know, we can focus it on our, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> if you just want to talk about cosmic spallation for the next hour, we can do that too. You know, like that was I, my nickname in high school. Yeah. I, I consider myself in high school. <laughs> yeah. I consider myself a cosmic ray. There you go. Yeah. Well, Occasion, occasionally spallating. <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, All right, so radiocarbon dating or carbon-14 dating is a scientific method that can accurately determine the age of organic materials as old as approximately, does anybody know? 40,000 years. I was going to say 70. Close. Well, all all the research I've read was a a bunch said 50, but most said 60,000 years. Yeah, I think some of our, and so that's instrumentation limited. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sample limited as well. How much do you have? How good is the sample? Um, basically that, that the half life of, uh, carbon 14 molecule is, uh, 5,700 years ish. Uh, 5,730. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) I I was like trying to stall while I, but I I didn't get there. So. (laughs) All right, come on, fifty-seven hundred versus fifty-seven thirty. No, that was, that was good. That was good. Um, I there's a, I have been uh seeing some numbers over the internet. I I always just saw the number as five thousand seven hundred and thirty, but I've been seeing some plus or minus thirty on top of that. And I'm looking at another website that says plus or minus forty on that fifty-seven thirty. Hmm. Yeah, that is a weird number because. Uh. And and we'll get into that a little bit later about they they've added a layer of statistical analysis that's supposed to help refine those dates down a little bit, but um, and, and all right, I'll jump right into it. But like the atomic bomb stuff kind of screwed up things, but that was 
that was more than 30 or 40 years ago. So I, I'm, I, at, when you first said the plus or minus, I was like, oh, because of the atomic bomb testing, like, or dropping or, you know. Uh, yeah. And I mean, we, we correct everything to 1950, right? 50? Yeah. yeah. BP, yeah. BP is, is from 19, before present is 1950 because that's, was that the first hydrogen bomb? If therm- whatever thermonuclear warfare means. Yeah, it was I the don't first know what thermonuclear warfare means. Yeah, it was. It was the first of of the atomic testing that um really messed with with the atmosphere and yeah added added and uh, you know. You you guys could probably go into this a little more. Go topes. Add, added yeah. some added some topes to the air. Yeah. Added, so All like right. I said like I said earlier, I only know carbon thirteen. I know nothing about <laughs> carbon. So but that brings up a good point though. Like so the nor- normal everyday carbon, if you will, you know, the run of the mill carbon is carbon twelve. Uh-huh. Um and, and carbon twelve is actually used a lot because carbon 12 is like carbon 12.00009 you know what percentage of of carbon like what percentage carbon 12 makes of all the carbon isotopes tell me 99 there you go but also carbon 12 like carbon 12 is really like really darn close to to 12 um and so a lot of other elements are measured against carbon 12 uh, on the periodic table, but so car- carbon twelve is is your everyday, like you said, ninety nine percent of all carbon. Uh, then you, you do have isotopes that have additional neutrons that add to the weight, so you can have carbon thirteen, which is apparently Jesse's favorite. You know what percentage carbon thirteen makes up? What of all the carbon? Point zero zero zero. It's one. Three. Huh. One percent of Wait. carbon thirteen. Yeah. So so between carbon twelve and carbon so, thirteen, it's one hundred percent. So well, it's this pretty, conversation yeah. is now close, over. Thanks close. for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then carbon fourteen, I was reading is is one part. Per, it's what makes up one part per trillion in the atmosphere. Okay. So it's like hardly anything. No. Yeah, so Which I got carbon may- thirteen and fourteen mixed up in my ratio. Yeah, carbon fourteen. Yeah, is that trillion? Ten to the twelve. Yes. Yeah, I think it. Yeah. Yeah, billion is ten to the nine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. One yeah. atom in one trillion. But what is that really? There's so many atoms. Try and count them. Ah, but you know, I think a trillion atoms is a lot of matter. Actually, it is. It, it is. But, but we we calculate. You know, in in the environmental uh, geochemistry field, we we there are a lot of emerging contaminants where you know the new standard for drinking water for PFAS is four parts per trillion. So it's not it's well, not so, out of the realm of me- measurement. So my question is, how many how many atoms make up an African elephant? Ooh. We have to do the molar calculation, and <laughs> I'm not doing that. Come on, we could some. All right, p- people out there, send me out. How, how many moles of carbon does it take to make an African elephant? 
My, I don't know about an African elephant, but I always, one of my fun facts about Adams is actually cells. Sorry. Shoot. Never mind. No, I, I want to hear the fun fact, though. I do want to hear the fun fact now, but if, if, if you take, you. if you take every cell of every human that has ever lived, it's still orders of magnitude less than the number of stars in the universe. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's depressing. No, or really exciting. Yeah, I I try and because I always try and impress upon students that just the vastness of the sheer scale. And so I feel like I don't know. Think about how many cells are in your body. A lot, a lot. Uh, yeah, anywhere from a hundred to two hundred. Nice, give or take. Give or take plus, plus or, or minus. minus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but circling back to the isotope, so the the, the carbon fourteen isotope was basically discovered in nineteen forty. Um, so in nineteen forty, carbon isotope was discovered, and then, um, do you know where it was discovered? The, now this is the carbon. 14 isotope carbon 14 was uh discovered by martin cayman and sam rubin and i don't know where they're from university of california radiation laboratory in berkeley thank you Um, but its existence had been suggested by franz curie in 1934 nice curie look at that um so this is so we're talking 1940 was discovered, mm-hmm. and then by the late 40s, a man named William Will Will why can't I say this Willard, Willard. thank you Libby uh, was a chemistry professor at the University of Chicago, um, basically started carbon dating. Yeah, developed it. Won a Nobel Prize in 1964. So, you what know, which apparently they don't just give them out. Yeah, I mean, one a year. Well, in yeah, just in <laughs> chemistry. Actually, I guess they give out several yeah. a year. So, all right. All right. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm less impressed now. Um, but, and uh, you and I and our all our listeners may be like, Okay, but like before this, you know, your your recent age stuff, like stuff less than 100,000 years old was pretty dang hard to date. Um, I guess you had dendrochronology, which is a big one, which is counting tree rings back. And, and that, that could be used to go back. I, f- I forget how far back they say they can go, like 20,000 years. It's but not much. Yeah, but I, I mean, like a, a tree yeah. can be like you know five thousand years old, but then they actually take like lumber from buildings that are older than that and match them up with trees that were living and match them up with older trees and older trees. And like it's pretty neat how they can do it. But um, you know, before this carbon fourteen dating, you know, you were just you know taking guesses. So this guy Willard. Uh, Libby developed this technique um, 
and and I love these articles. Like you read further down, further down, further down, and it was like, and all their work was done by their grad students. <laughs> it's <just> like, oh, <laughs> man. Uh, boy, do I know what that feels like. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he I, I'm guessing he was the big picture guy, put it all together. But um, they uh, de- he basically developed a detector that could detect these parts per trillion of carbon 14. So that that's what led to this um, hmm. discovery. Well, and that and he proposed that all living things absorb a little bit of carbon 14 from the atmosphere. So whatever the, the percentage is in the atmosphere, like you said, like one part per trillion, every every living thing absorbs that one part per trillion. And say we have, I don't know, 20 quadrillion carbon atoms in our body. You know that adds up, and then yeah, he, so he it's, developed. It's a actually way amazing how they can when you when you send in a sample to get carbon dated. It's it's a it's it's amazing how they can at the lab um, pull out the carbon fourteen or isolate the carbon fourteen from the twelve and thirteen. Yes, now there there are two main methods. the The method that Libby came up with uh, with with these detectors. And then, um, then they also have, um, why am I blanking on this? Um, particle accelerator now. So you can, you can actually send your, a much, much smaller sample size to a particle accelerator. And those particle accelerator beams can be like super precise, like super teeny tiny. Um, both methods destroy the sample. So you can't really, um, you know, if you need it back, sorry, but <laughs> tough luck. Yeah. So yeah, and, talk, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jesse. I was just going to say that's why sometimes, it, you know, it, it's not the, it's not always the magic bullet, like dating things is difficult. And part of the reason is because, you know, the sample you have gets destroyed. Yeah, it comes down to a level of repeatability for scientists. Like, um, if you only have that one little bit, then you only have that one data point. And it was that data point good or not? You know, was it contaminated? Because um, they, they do talk about how just a tiny bit of contamination of carbonaceous material from overlying dirt, underlying dirt, you know, some sort of contamination gets in there, you can really throw off the date of one of these carbon dates. Boy, do I know what that feels like. I, <laughs> I, I may or may not have some experience with that. Um, number uh, one thing I just want to say before we move on, Steve, what are you saying dirt? That's like uh, as a geologist, why would you, why would you do that? S- soil yeah. matrix. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. You sweep yeah. up dirt off your kitchen floor, right? You don't, very true. Anyways. I apologize. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so all, all these organisms absorb the carbon-14 while they're living. And so, so, you know, me and you, we're all absorbing carbon-14 right now. Soak it in while you can. Because once you die, you stop absorbing. So let's 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 keep this. Uh, number one, how about we keep this nice and organized? Oh, we should. Yeah, we have already deviated like nine times off of our perfectly <laughs> formatted outline. 
Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, The Formatting Formula, formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your Word document formatting needs. Uh, I feel like I talk about this a lot, but uh, I actually called them last week. And fun fact, they helped me with a PDF. It wasn't just a Word document. So uh, they embedded bookmarks and hyperlinks in a PDF for me, in a PDF for me. So, um, you know, they're not just a one-trick pony. So check them out, formattingformula.com, and make sure you say the Geology Flabbercast saying. Very good. Thank you, Steve. Um, so let's, uh, we, we should go and uh, talk about how we get carbon-14, where it comes from. Ooh, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Let's start let's start from the from the beginning. All right. I feel like we're kind of going all over the place yes. here. <laughs> Go start several years ago there was a wizard. There we got started talking about thermonuclear bombs, which by the way is a, I looked it up. It's a second generation. Basically it's a, a hydrogen bomb. Um, but uh anyways. I thought so. Yeah. It'll all be explained in that Oppenheimer movie that comes out this summer. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we're dating this podcast, but this podcast <laughs> is May of 2023. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's one way to date the podcast. I'm sure there's a, we have a whole <laughs> podcast about dating. Um, but uh, so how do you get the, how do you get the carbon 14? Where, where does it come from? Well, it starts off with the sun, all right? So cosmic rays are coming off of the sun and um, we have a process called cosmic spallation, right? And um, so basically what happens with cosmic spallation, um, you get this, well, let me phrase it like this. We know that the number one, uh, we have, the number one uh, thing that makes up our atmosphere is nitrogen. Lots and lots of nitrogen, 70, what is it? 78%? 78, yeah. yeah. So what happens is, um, you get these cosmic rays and uh, it kind of starts breaking stuff up. It, it basically, long story short, you have a nuclear reaction up in the sky. And so you get a, a neutron slams into uh, your your nitrogen, your, N, your N14, and it kicks out a proton. And that nitrogen, uh, I'm sorry, that that uh, neutron gets stuck to the 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 atom there. It's like I said, it's a it's a tiny little nuclear reaction up in the sky, and it that's how you get uh, ca- uh, carbon fourteen forming. So it all has to do with uh, it's a, it's a process called cosmic spallation from the sun's sun's rays, and so that's that's the source of it, and so what. We were talking about earlier is that anything that's living absorbs absorbs carbon fourteen. So what happens is you're absorbing carbon fourteen right now just by breathing, right? If you're eating food, you're absorbing carbon fourteen. Yeah, I'm holding my breath. breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you don't want to absorb carbon fourteen, just hold your breath. You. um, So what happens is your body's in equilibrium with I would say I should say the amount of carbon 14 inside your body is in equilibrium with the amount of carbon 14 that's in the atmosphere. So what we were getting at um earlier was that um well actually you don't let me hold off on that. So as long as you're breathing and doing whatever you do as you're alive. Loving living and living loving you're absorbing yeah. carbon 14. You're absorbing I mean, carbon 14. You you absorb the carbon because the carbon once 
the nitrogen converts into carbon 14, it reacts with oxygen in the atmosphere and, and turns into carbon dioxide. Right? Yeah. yeah. Reactive <clears throat> so carbon dioxide. Yeah. So yeah. So it enters the and it becomes part of the carbon cycle as this gas. And so you you know, you either you absorb it that way, some of it you have gas exchange with the ocean and becomes dissolved in organic carbon in the ocean. Um, that marine organisms that they're photosynthetic, take it in that way or animals in the ocean eat these carbon 14 food sources. They are delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a whole host of ways, right? Uh, it, you know, when things, well, sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. No, <laughs> yeah. So basically respiration or uh, eating or all these different ways to get the, the, the carbon-14 into your body. So every living organism has to die. And when these living organisms die... What, what about die, those uh, jellyfish that when they are about to die, they turn into babies? Ah. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, there's these jellyfish that when they're about to die or they get into a stress situation, they go back to um, adolescence. So they're like immortal? Uh, I hate to use the I word, but perhaps. (laughs) This is the first I'm hearing about this. So forget the jellyfish. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to handle that question. Um, (laughs) Vampire jellyfish. when, When you die, you stop stop breathing, you stop eating, all that stuff. So whatever carbon-14 you have in your body, the moment that you die, that's all you got. You're not getting any more. All right, I have another asinine question for you, along with the jellyfish. All right. Uh, Do zombies absorb carbon-14? No, they're eating. They do, because they're eating human flesh. Oh, yeah, and the human flesh. Okay, so if they're eating brains, their carbon-14 clock has not stopped. Got it. Yeah. Huh. That right. was a good question though. What? Thanks. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is that so you die and then all the carbon 14 that's left in there in your body, that's it. And then so over time that starts decaying. Like we said, the half-life of carbon 14 is 5,730 years. And so what a half-life means is that's the amount of time that it takes for half of whatever radioactive parent element you have to decay into the daughter element. All right. So you, you let's say you have a hundred pounds of carbon 14 yeah. after 5,730 years, you now have 50 pounds of carbon 14. Yes. So the next year you're not down to zero. You're down to half of the 50. So you're down to 25, 25. pounds. Yeah. So you keep breaking it down little by little by little by little by little. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why you can only go back about 60,000 years. Because after 60,000 years, you're, you're, what, less than one twelfth of your original carbon. And you already, okay. you're already, your carbon-14 was already at a slim margin to begin with. So now you're at one twelfth of that slim margin. So after 60,000 years, you really can't accurately measure it very well. 
Yeah, yeah just, just... The, the instrumentation isn't sensitive enough. Right? Yep. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I forget what that paradox is called. Uh, it's some sort of physics paradox where, like, if you and your mate are a meter apart and every second you take half of that distance and you get closer to each other, when will you touch? And the answer is never because you'll always keep breaking that distance down into halves. But at some point, you get to it's the a, point. It's, yeah, it's a math thing where, yeah, if you cut something in half, it'll never go to zero, right? Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess yeah. once you get down to, like, the angstrom level, you can't really cut things in half anymore. But anyway. So, <laughs> um. So I guess then theoretically you'd never lose all of your carbon fourteen. Uh, the 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 mathematical answer is no, but the I think the yeah. physics answer is yes. Yeah. If that you know, I'm sure physicists and mathematicians are both angry at me at this moment, but mm-hmm. um, I I have to think at to, to at some point you become undetectable for carbon fourteen. So I guess in theory you you may still have some in you, but you just can't detect it. Yeah, it'll never go to zero. Yeah. So Ooh. take so, that. Um so we were talking about uh, one of the ways that you can get uh carbon fourteen forming is, is from nuclear tests. And so kind of um I don't want to say broke carbon fourteen dating, but um Definitely altered how it works, not the dating mm-hmm. technique, but just uh, how you, how you can use it. Uh, um, so- well, hang on a second. It wasn't even really accurately discovered until the late forties. So, what we had one good year of carbon fourteen dating. One good year, and <laughs> <laughs> like I, I call oh. I call baloney on this because. You- do you think Willard was pissed? He was like, I had just got this. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Do you go and drop this big bomb? Um, well, the other thing, actually, we didn't even say this. Carbon-14 was uh, the dating technique. It was originally formed for archaeological purposes. Yeah, yeah. It's, I was I was going to get into that about how, it, like, okay. um, so uh, you, you think about this. This guy, Libby, came up with this theory that everything has carbon 14 till it dies and then we know it's half-life so we should be able to measure it and figure out how old it is so he took very well known samples like the dead sea scrolls um uh, took a piece of bread from mount vesuvius um some egyptian uh, burial uh i think it was like a funeral pyre like a boat like so like these these events in history that were very well documented in in a bunch of different other archaeological ways to know exactly when that happened and then he dated it using his method and bam came back like spot on so um that you know his his theory was proven because they had all these other different uh avenues to to date this stuff historically and mm-hmm. then he was able to do it scientifically with carbon fourteen. Yeah. So I'm looking at this um, this chart here, looking at all the carbon fourteen that humans made by uh, testing nuclear bombs in the atmosphere. 
And so what happened is, uh, when did we hit our peak? Looks like we doubled. Probably late 60s? Yeah. Is that, is that like when outdoor one, testing two, was three. banned? So well, it was banned in 1980. No, outdoor nuclear testing. At some point, they were allowed to do nuclear testing underground. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. But there, at some point in the 60s, above ground testing was banned. Everybody signed on to that. Oh, well, I'm wondering if it was 1963 because we hit the max. Okay, October yeah. October 10th of 1963, actually. And that that right probably was pretty close to when that ban happened. Yeah. Um, But uh, we pretty much doubled the amount of carbon-14 in the atmosphere from... Um, you know the 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 original baseline before we started exploding nukes in the atmosphere. So what ended up happening was that be, there was just there's 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 an artificially artificially high amount of carbon fourteen in the atmosphere because of that, and that kind of messes with the dating technique. But so, it it can be uh, accounted for. Yeah, it's yeah. easily correctable. Yes. And there's, uh, I was reading, there's actually some, um, I don't, you can, okay, one side effect of the change in atmospheric carbon-14 is that it enabled some options for determining the birth year of an individual. How about that? Because of the, so normally we're figuring out when the organism died, because when you're doing carbon carbon dating, you, you it's determined the, the date that organism stopped breathing or eating or anything like that, respirating. But apparently with the, this you can determine with the because of the, the bombs and stuff you can determine the birth year of an individual how about that in particular like the amount pre of or, 14 in tooth enamel pre and post 1940 births i guess or, or probably all yeah all. probably all or this is actually crazy you can look at the, the concentration of carbon 14 in the lens of an eye Ooh. yeah how about that Wonder why they picked that to hmm, I don't know. Anyways. Uh that sounds like that's like James Bond villain type stuff. <laughs> Let me just put your eye in this uh X mass spectrometer, this accelerated mass spectrometer. <laughs> well, so. how about this? In twenty nineteen, Scientific American reported that carbon fourteen from nuclear bomb testing has been found in the bodies of aquatic animals found in one of the most inaccessible regions of the earth. Mariana Trench. Ah, all right. So, yeah, it's reached everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, and Um, that's that'd be interesting to to model. Yeah the the gas exchange with the atmosphere and how long it would take to get to the to the deepest depths of the ocean. I mean, four ams that are alive, photosynthesized, and then when they die, they're little mm-hmm. S-shells sink to the bottom of the ocean. So, yeah, probably pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, you uh, can also make carbon-14 from, um, you can get car- carbon-14 emissions from nuclear power plants produced uh, in coolant at boiling water reactors. Yeah. Huh. Uh, uh, it comes out as carbon dioxide. Jesse was talking about that earlier, basically of radioactive carbon dioxide. And so the best practice, listen to this, this is, this is actually kind of wild. Best practice for nuclear power plant operator management of carbon-14 includes releasing it at night when the plants aren't photosynthesizing. 
So I guess you just don't let the plants suck it up. And uh, where does it go then? It's I guess just go. I mean, eventually, wouldn't you think that they would? There's a. I don't know where it goes. Actually, that, that sounds <laughs> that sounds like a baloney answer. Like, oh, we'll just release it at night. We're plants are photosynthesizing. Oh, okay. That's Unless they're good. banking on this thing like sinking or coming uh, or, out. Or yeah, I you're guess right, you're right because the the half life is five thousand years. Like, it's not like it's just going away overnight. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that does anyway. sound a little goofy. I don't know anything about this a nuclear power plant. So I just was <laughs> an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. some interesting carbon fourteen dates. Um, does everyone remember Ot- Otzi? He was the Copper Age guy they found in the Alps. Yeah. Uh, oh he, yeah. He, he was dated to be over fifty three hundred years old. Hmm. Um, they've I, again. I mentioned the funeral pyre from Egypt, Mount Vesuvius. Um. You know, a, a little more controversial one was they dated the Shroud of Turin, um, which was supposed to be from AD 33, but it dated between 1260 and 1390. Yeah, so, I remember yeah. hearing about that. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's part of it when you find, so <clears throat> to date these things, like you said, it, it has to be organic material. So you can use, you know, fabrics or you could date books, like pages of books and whatnot. But with things like the Shroud of Turin or books, you destroy the sample. Yeah. And so it gets well, back so you just that. take a little piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, I'm not thinking the whole thing and just like, no, and again, that, that depends yeah, on but... um, how, what method, if you're using the, the Libby method, you need, you know, uh, so many ounces or milligrams or something. But if you're using the mass spectrometry, then you only need like 20 to 50 milligrams or like 0. 0.0000 seven ounces you know what i mean so uh, i'm assuming for something like the shroud of turin they're using the smallest amount possible um, yeah but this was like a huge archaeological revolution like all of a sudden it was like oh man like you you found a piece of charred wood at at a old archaeological site like oh okay this is neat well now all of a sudden bam that's like a something we can date we can throw it in the we can throw it in the chamber and figure out exactly how old that carbon is. How how old is that midden heap? How old is that fire pit? How old is that? You know, it was like the the biggest thing in archaeological uh, discoveries in the last I don't know hundred years or so. Yeah, super important. You know, because you're right. Other than that, there was really um, what else could archaeologists have used? No, and and before carbon fourteen dating, at all, even geologists, which apparently are fallible i didn't know this but uh they <laughs> they thought the last ice age ended 25,000 years ago so as as few as 60 years ago 70 years ago people thought the last ice age ended 25,000 years ago but we know that it ended about 11 to 12,000 years ago based on carbon dating you know trees that were pushed over by glaciers and things like that so without carbon dating we still would have been off by, you know, 12,000 years, 13,000 yeah. years. Um, so it's not the, you know, we're kind of talking, it's, it's carbon dating is only good for geologists that are working within the Holocene and Pleistocene. You know, if you, if yes. you work, you know, late Pleistocene, 
tops. If you want to go any any deeper in time than that, you got to find another dating method because it's not gonna it's not gonna work. So and, and we we have covered some other dating methods in other podcasts. So yeah, yeah. I don't have my um, normal computer, so I can't tell you which episode it was. Sorry. <laughs> well, so we talked about how we get carbon fourteen in the atmosphere, how, why we have too much of it, but then also there's uh, another factor that puts depleted carbon into the atmosphere. Ooh, uh, I'm glad you talked about this. I was going to bring this up. Oh, all right. Burning fossil fuels, right? So you got to think, um, so when you're burning fossil fuels, coal, Jesse's favorite of the fossil fuels, oil, gas, you, you know, that there's there's carbon in there. And so, who, who had coal on their bingo card? <laughs> I don't think we've mentioned coal in a couple episodes. Is it's been a while. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, I've been getting itchy. <laughs> so when you're when you're burning these fossil fuels, you're releasing carbon dioxide, um, and some of the carbon in that carbon dioxide is is carbon fourteen. But you have to think: how old is that coal you're burning, or how old is that oil? If it's millions of years old, it's going to be like the it's going to be extremely depleted uh, carbon or carbon fourteen. So Long story short, if you if you release enough of these these burnt fossil fuels that are really really old, it's going to send out this carbon fourteen that's that's also really really old, and it's going to start messing with the, um, it's going to it's going to give you, uh, and if you test that carbon fourteen, it's going to say that it's you know very 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 old. So it could potentially give you false dates. So are we fixing the, the nuclear season. problem? Well, I, I, I don't know which one has <laughs> I, I I think the nuclear problem uh, has more of an effect, a stronger effect than than the the fossil fuel problem. Uh, I'm I'm I was just I being cool. because I've often wondered that too. <laughs> Would could you just get corrected by just burning enough fossil fuels and just like all right now now we're back to baseline. But the thing, actually, going back to the- Could you imagine if you you said that in class, like, oh, yeah, just keep burning fossil fuels so we can offset the carbon-14 from all our nuclear testing. I don't know. Would it fix the (laughs) carbon-14 problem at the the other end of, uh, you know, making the the planet a little bit warmer? Anyway, we're not going down this hole. What's more important? (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, people living- (laughs) So uh, you need to stay alive to absorb that carbon fourteen. You do. If you don't, if you're not alive, you're not getting it. Uh, what else should we talk about? We, we could uh, talk about the reservoir effect. How do you well, how do you fix for marine marine life dating marine life? Um, yeah, and, and the human health effect. So radiocarbon isotopes have been used in many medical studies through biology and and different anatomy and bodily functions. So um, they actually, like you said, they they track different carbon-14 levels through humans in the 50s and 60s based on all the atomic testing. Um, They can also uh, track the plaque well, I mean, this is postmortem, but plaque in your brain from Alzheimer's. 
They can actually analyze the amount of carbon-14 in the plaque of your brain to maybe figure out when uh, when in that person's life they, they accumulated the most amount of plaque in their brain. Um, they can also, they also use it for tracer molecules and cancer studies and things like that uh, to understand how cancer responds to chemotherapy, track tumors. Like, so in, in the human health environment that the carbon 14 molecule is used, used a lot um, in many different medical studies. So it's, it, it has value there too. How about that? So, I guess. So, what are you doing uh, when you're doing carbon fourteen dates with uh, marine life? Or uh, you got to you got to do an extra step. It's not as a um, there's there's a there's a there's one more variable involved with uh, with dating marine life. So, there's carbon in ocean water. We talked about this. Um, the oceans absorb carbon dioxide. If some of that carbon dioxide is made with carbon 14 that gets in there and so just take a a fish for example and the fish is living its life and it's it's drinking water maybe it's you know getting whatever it's it's doing whatever eating food it's getting that that carbon in its uh in its body but that car because of ocean circulation currents that the 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 new carbon is only at the surface of the ocean if you're deep down in the ocean, it might take, I mean, it could take 200 years for that, for that, uh, for that carbon to get deeper into the ocean. So if you're, if you're a fish and you're living your life and you're absorbing that carbon deep in the ocean, and let's just say this fish dies today, boom, and you carbon date that fish right at, you know, right after, you know, the date that it died, but it was drinking that old seawater you know or the you know with the the older uh carbon in it the 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 date will come back that that fish is you know 100 several hundred years it could it could be several hundred years old but even though you just saw this fish die and you, you dated it and saying no nope, no nope, this thing uh died 200 years ago it's, like i said it's because of ocean circulation currents so this is called the reservoir effect and so there's a correction that you can do for this. So all over, I think globally, all over the place, people have basically tested the water to see how old the car, how old that water is, you know, how old the, the carbon is in that in that in that water. And it's a, it's a correction that you can do. You can uh, apply to your your carbon dates, and it will give you a more accurate result. It won't be off by potentially hundreds of years. I think yes. on average it's uh 400 years. Okay. For the for the reservoir effect. Now and, it's not always that that much, but uh no, and I, I did read about like you can use Bayesian statistical analyses um based on a bunch of different factors that'll help narrow down your carbon 14 date. Um statistics is not my strong suit, so that's that's about as much as I will say about that. But one of our Patreons, Greg, did did just send us an article about how uh, carbon fourteen is used to analyze animal tissue. Which okay, yeah, we talked about you know carbon in all living things, but uh, they're using it in the ivory trade because people are saying like, no, 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 this is old ivory. This isn't new ivory. 
like you know this is before the ban and everything and so they're using carbon 14 to date to be like nope you know this elf poor elephant was killed you know two weeks ago not 55 years ago like this is where this just because the ivory looks age or whatever but um so they, they can actually date the ivory from the tusks of elephants to figure out was this a recent um you know i guess killing of the elephant or was it uh um before the laws were set in place so poaching basically poaching people are are now getting held their feet to the fire based on the carbon 14 dating of these ivory um, artifacts. So thank you, Greg. I was just reading today about people getting ivory from woolly mammoths, like, um, you know, basically just like free, they're thawing out of the the permafrost, right? Ah. And uh, the thing I was reading is that it was, they're saying it's illegal to do that, right? But I didn't think that. I thought that somewhere I saw that that it was. It's not illegal if you want to trade woolly mammoth ivory. It says. Do you guys know anything about this? What do no. you guys know about the ivory trade? Let's let's bring this topic. <laughs> I'm gonna plead the fifth on this. Yeah, I can't talk about what I know. <laughs> Uh, but that's sort of crazy. I mean, yeah, we're seeing I'm, more and more mammoths thawing out. And and I guess that goes to um, uh, we, we have several colleagues who study geochemistry of fossils and figure out where those fossils came from and where they poached from, you know, game lands or, or um, national parks or something like that. So I, I'm assuming with those mammoths, the same thing could be done, but mammoth, I, I don't know how different mammoth ivory is from elephant ivory and how easily it is to differentiate, but I, yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Sounds like we yeah. have the next, the next uh, podcast topic. Woolly mammoth, <laughs> the woolly mammoth ivory trade. Yeah. Ooh. And, uh, how we can breed new ones, right, man? Yeah, I, w- I want a scrimshaw, uh, a, a mammoth tusk. You know, like the old whalers used to. Yeah, carve in the ivory. There you go. <laughs> I want to drink some meat out of one. Ooh. Yeah, I, th- I thought that I heard. I could be completely wrong here, but I thought that I heard that it was legal to to trade woolly mammoth ivory because it's like extinct it's you're not, you're not killing anything hmm. yeah that's yeah makes sense uh, but i don't know like i said we'll do some research on the uh, on the uh, the black market ivory trade and we'll yeah. get back to our listeners on this one yeah things that come up uh, so. i can't wait to, i can't wait to you, you we we come back next week and just wearing like a big ivory bone <laughs> necklace and be like, ah, I couldn't find anything out. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> yes, we'll never know. Uh, sorry, my internet signal on my yacht is uh, fading. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's all I have on Carbon 14, gentlemen. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add, but. Yeah, so Carbon 14 is one of the cool 
dating techniques that it's commercially available. Anybody can submit uh, carbon samples to get dated. Um, it's uh, like if you go to a commercial lab, it's going to be 600 bucks and per sample. And usually the turnaround, I'm trying to think the one commercial lab I used to use. I always get the, the turnaround is like three days, two to three days. I Holy think they say cow. five days. Wow. Yeah, I think they say five days. That is super fast. Yeah, it's usually like two to three days from one of the time that they they receive the sample. Um, yeah, it's it's and that that's a cool thing because other dating techniques are not no commercially available. That's so that's it just goes to show you how um, you know how significant carbon fourteen dating is. I, I did read an article about how this was like deemed not essentially a state secret so it was developed globally so there were labs all over the place like right away in the 60s you know there was like 30 different labs in the 60s that you could send it to 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 get your analysis done whereas a bunch of other technologies during the cold war was basically hoarded by uh, yeah. you know your 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 few main global uh, entities so it it really did limit the amount of places you could send a sample to mm-hmm. that's crazy so if you uh if you want to do your own carbon 14 dating um the best uh the, one, one of the best things to do or it's the the instrument that's gives you the some of the best dates is called uh accelerator mass spectrometry or ams for short uh that that gives you that's, that's the stuff that i've always used and um, if you want to get into it, I was told uh, that it's about, uh, I forget if it was one or $2 million to to get one of these bad boys. So, you know, if you want to get into the, the carbon-14 game, you just need. Or if you'd like the geology flannel cast to get into the carbon-14 game, uh, please check us out on Patreon. Yeah. Make sure you put in the comments, AMS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to put this thing because it takes up a whole room. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you know you got a guest room. The, this room here, the yeah. Final Cast Studios down south. Yeah, we can. Uh, um, All right, I tell you what: if we get a million dollars in donations from Patreon, hell will have I, frozen I over. I will. And- I will figure out a space <laughs> to put it. How's that? If we get a million dollars. How I'm is not that? buying an AMS with that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if that's what the money's earmarked for, that's what we're doing. Okay, I don't. Uh, all right, <laughs> I don't approve of that. Nice. Um, so uh, yeah, so yeah, carbon fourteen is the the most commercially uh, you know available dating technique. Other other dating techniques are just uh, some of them are just more. It, it just takes too long. There's too much involved, and uh, companies just bottom line is just can't make a profit with some other some other dating techniques but carbon 14 dating has been around long enough and they've really figured out the you know hammering out the kinks with this thing and it's uh well you got to think um, the, f- the further you go back in time the less uh the less i don't want to say interest but the less analysis you have you know how, how many people are asking for Samples from the ED Karen to be analyzed. Um, I think that one, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very niche market, 
right? But that's what that's what I'm saying. You know, the the closer you are to now, the more demand you have. The further way you go back, the less demand you have to date sediments and samples and whatever. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're also yeah. if you're if you yeah. I'll agree with that statement. Yeah. You better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. But, uh, you know, I, I do have a question that we haven't asked in a while. It's uh, what song are we going to go out to for Carbon right. 14? Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got a couple things to, <laughs> all right, sorry. Things to say real fast. Before all right. Go ahead. This. All right. Now you're letting them think about it. It's not, uh, it's not like spontaneous. I've got one. I've got one. Oh, I love it. Put yeah. it in the, put it in the chat so we know you're not cheating. <laughs> so thanks everyone for listening to uh, this episode. If you uh, want to help out the podcast, uh, you can check us out on Patreon.com/slash/GeologyFlannelCast. Check out GeologyFlannelCast.com. Uh, check out some some merch on there. Um, and <laughs> I'm looking at yeah. this song. <laughs> <laughs> he really he really did have a good one right off the bat. That is, so. that is a pretty good one. I, yeah. I, yeah. Um, uh oh run um check our instagram out um all right jesse oh, wait, wait wait you can buy some stickers you can buy some mugs check out our merch uh we, we sold some stickers the other day we haven't sold stickers yeah. in like two weeks so yeah uh and it's uh may you tell your friend may so please tell a friend yeah. tell a friend that at, at the oh. minimum tell a friend if you like the uh, yeah tell your mate tell your mate Tell your mate May. May. All right, Jesse, reveal it to the world. Uh, every, uh, every breath you take by the police because yes. you're breathing in all that carbon. Man, that was like <laughs> instantly. He, he really yeah, did yeah. have that ready to go. That was. Uh, that, that I was I thought good. for sure I was going to trip you up on this because we haven't done it in a few weeks and and you know carbon fourteen like what you saw you yeah. we didn't have a song 14. for last week did we. I don't think so. Oh no, I don't know if we did. Yeah. No. Well, we uh one of our patrons suggested we will rock you, but that goes for pretty much every week. Yeah. <laughs> Start saying that. Yeah. <laughs> it's your default. I thought you were gonna come up with something about like uh like dating or something like that. I don't know. I, I was sort of leaning that way and it's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, know. well, thank you everybody for listening. We really, really appreciate you and uh See you next week. Nerd next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.